Welcome back. Today we are joined by Rob McCallum, the expedition leader for the Five Deeps Expedition, who we spoke to a couple of months ago now. Um, Rob, how are you? I'm well. Things are going very well. Uh, the team at EOS Expeditions is uh, fully uh, uh, engaged at the moment with the Five Deeps Expedition, which has just completed its uh, second dive and is now on its way repositioning to the third. That's right. The first one was um, in the Puerto Rico trench. That's right. We did uh, Puerto Rico uh, back in uh, mid-December, mm -hmm. and we have just uh, last week completed the South Sandwich Trench, which is the deepest point in the Southern Ocean. It's technically in Antarctic waters, mm -hmm. and uh, that went uh, very well. Had a lot of challenges there because of the uh, the temperatures, both on the surface and and down deep. And now the ship is repositioning. Uh, on its way to Cape Town, Perth, and on up to Java Trench, which we believe is the deepest point in the Indian Ocean. Ah, well, just to uh, to recap for those who, who didn't get to hear us uh, the first time you were on, uh, the Five Deeps project was, um, I suppose, instigated or, or pushed forward by Victor Viscovo, who is explorer, adventurer, um, all-round guy, it seems, who, all of those things. All of yes, those that's things, right. and, and probably a lot more. <clears throat> yeah, Victor is a very interesting man. Uh, he's from Dallas, Texas. Uh, he's a businessman uh, who has a very deep passion for adventurous hobbies. Uh, he's one of the very few people that have completed the Explorer's Grand Slam, which is to conquer the highest uh, peak on each of the seven continents. And then the Grand Slam part is uh, also completing the North and South Poles. And after completing the Grand Slam, he was thinking about uh, doing the Mariana Trench uh, with a hat tip to James Cameron, who we'd, we'd done it with previously. And then he figured that uh, actually most of the oceans have deep trenches and none of them have ever been dived. So uh, he set up his new project, the Five Deeps Expedition, which was to go and dive uh, each of the deepest points of the world's five oceans. So we've done two of them. We've done the Atlantic Ocean at the Puerto Rican Trench, and now uh, we've just completed the um, South Sandwich Trench, the deepest point in the Southern Ocean. And then in consecutive order, we will pick off the Indian Ocean, and then the Pacific Ocean, and then uh, finally uh, the Malloy Deep, which is in the Arctic Ocean. Well, there's a little bit more to it because it wasn't just a case that Victor went, oh, I'd like to dive on these, made a phone call, phoned up EOS and went, come on, let's go. Um, he realized that there wasn't actually a submarine capable of, uh, of doing these dives all the way, all the way to the bottom and um, then approached Triton submarines and, and our friend Patrick Leahy um, and the two of them talked and designed and developed and commissioned a fully certified submersible that is capable of bringing uh, bringing people down to the bottom of each, each of these trenches um, and back <laughs> was that in the contract <laughs> yeah, right. um, any, any ship can get to the bottom of a trench it's getting back that's tricky yeah I, uh, and that's Correct. I mean, there have only ever been two vehicles that can go to full ocean depth. Uh, the first one, Trieste, you know, was thousands, tens of thousands of gallons of aviation fuel, uh, which it used as its buoyancy uh, control system. 
and it took two two guys, uh, Jacques Picard and Don Walsh, down to the bottom of the Mariana Trench in 1960. But it was not a practical craft for long-term use. It was very large, very heavy, unwieldy. Uh, it needed to, needed to be towed everywhere. But why? And why so you, the uh, sorry for interrupting, but you mentioned aviation fuel for buoyancy. Why aviation fuel? Uh, Picard had come from a, a family of um, balloonists. They had done a number of uh, amazing feats, world records with uh, with balloons. And so their theory was that to get to the bottom of um, the Mariana Trench, you, you, you would essentially fabricate an underwater balloon. So they had a large steel hull, which looked like a, a fat submarine, uh, which was filled with, with gasoline, which because it's lighter than, than seawater, uh, is buoyant. And then you attach to that uh, a couple of hoppers full of um, steel shot or lead shot, to weigh that down, to take it down to the bottom. And then underneath that, you put a, a capsule, um, a sphere uh, large enough for, for two humans. So it's a, you know, it's a very crude description of, of what the Trieste was. It's this mm -hmm. big balloon of, of gasoline uh, with lead weight to take it down and a capsule underneath for the human occupants. And when they got to the bottom, they simply released enough lead shot until they started to, uh, to come back up again. Very simple, um, but very straightforward, and and you know, sounds, not a lot of complexities go wrong. It, it sounds something from Jules Verne. It sounds quite a, very innovative, but very archaic in in a bag well, of gasoline we, and some lead weights. It works, you know, I guess. Patrick, <laughs> absolutely, it worked, and and you know, um, Jim Sub. Um, Deep Challenge had a slightly different approach. It was a lot more complicated, a lot more complex. And, um, you know, it was a remarkable craft. It was designed to take one man down to the bottom and back as fast as possible, and, and it did that. Um, but the, the lesson from that was that, you know, complexity is not always your friend. And, and so I think the, the line that uh, Triton have taken with – um, this submarine, the, the limit, it's called the limiting factor. Mm -hmm. um, the, the, we call it LF. I mean, the great thing about LF is that it's a mix of the two. Um, you know, we're trying to stick to the mantra that the ultimate sophistication is simplicity itself. We wanted to have a submersible which was relatively simple in the sense that uh, the simpler it is, the less that can go wrong with it, the less maintenance is required, the less sort of consumables are required. But at the same time, we're stepping into inner space. We are stepping into a place where it's incredibly inhospitable, and so naturally, it's it's not it's not as simple as a brick. Um, it actually does have a lot of uh, complex parts inside it uh, to maintain life support and maneuverability, and to get you back up, and to get you back <laughs> up. And uh, and how did she perform? Because this uh, this I suppose the Puerto Rico was. The, the first real test of her um, going down to, to that depth. Um, all things went smoothly? Yes. I mean, you know, we, we are conscious of the fact that when you're, you know, when you're doing a, a world first, it's, it's a complex uh, matter because there's, there's no one to copy. There's no template to follow. Um, you know, when you're, when you're beating a world record, which we, we do often, um, it's relatively straightforward because someone's done it before and you've just got to see if you can beat that. 
Um, but with a world first, you know, you're learning by doing. And we have learned a lot uh, along the way. It's a very, very staged program. Um, it started with uh, testing of all the individual components before they were assembled. Then there was a lot of testing of the assembled vehicle. Then there was the testing of the vehicle in, uh, in a pressure chamber down to 14,000 meters, uh, which is the deepest that anything's ever been tested. When you say, and then a series. When you say that, you mean that's um, 14,000 meters of pressure on it, or it actually went down oh, 14,000 okay. meters? No, it's only possible to go to 11,000 meters. That's the deepest part of, of uh, our world's ocean. Okay. So if you want to go deeper than that, which we wanted to because we wanted to test it beyond um, its, its working depth, uh, then you have to do that artificially. You have to essentially put it in an underground chamber, crank the lid down, and pressurize it. And we've done that because we, um, you know, Victor and, and Triton both wanted to have uh, a classed vehicle, a ver vehicle that's been certified by a class society, in this case, uh, DNVGL. And they did that because it's the first time that there's been a reusable vehicle. Um, you know, whereas Trieste was good for a handful of dives and Deep Challenger, if it hadn't been destroyed, might have done some dozens of dives, this sub will do thousands of dives and, and it's possible to do those to full ocean depth if the owner so desires. Mm -hmm. No moments where you thought, oh, you, no moments where you hit a problem that, that, that you didn't expect that was potentially a game stopper? It, it went smoothly? Uh, no, there's been a lot of uh, learning along the way and I, mm -hmm. I'm not being coy about that, but um, when I said we, we, we are learning by doing, of course. that's sort of a euphemism, euphemism for um, testing by breaking. So, you know, we have to go out there and stress uh, the equipment, um, which also stresses the supporting systems. It also stresses the people, the systems and the processes. But through those stresses, we, we learn and we adapt and we refine. And so the, the dive that we've just completed was very, very different from our first sort of tentative dives uh, in the Bahamas. Um, during sea trials. Mm -hmm. So we've, we've learned a lot along the way. Um, a lot of new technology has been developed uh, as, as a part of that process, and certainly our techniques have changed as a part of that process. And, and the, the most memorable part of the port, besides the fact that you actually did it, biggest takeaway from the Puerto Rico dive, your first dive, what would you say that was? You know, that, that it can all come together and work perfectly. You know, up, and, up until then, everything had been essentially a, a sea trial or an advanced sea trial or an extension of the sea trials. And so, you know, there was a lack of surety. Um, not, not that it was safe, but just how it would perform. Of course. Um, and, you know, how efficient we could be with launching and recovering and that sort of thing. And when we actually did the dive of the Puerto Rico Trench. I mean, the day just dawned absolutely perfectly and people all came together after all of these trials and tribulations and everything worked flawlessly. And it was like, wow, it really can work exactly like it was all designed to. It was an absolutely fantastic day. I mean, it's, it's one of those days where you look around and everything's working in perfect harmony and you just think, yes. How satisfying that must have been. Um, yes, indeed. And, and did you just do the one dive in Puerto Rico, or did you did you do multiple dives there? We did we did a couple of dives, but the 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 record dive, the dive to the very bottom, we only did one of those. Okay. Did you get a chance to go in? 
No, no. Victor does the first dive solo. Uh, he would like to be the first guy to dive each of the ocean's trenches, and so that requires him to do it solo. Of course. Uh, and we didn't do a second dive there. And then from Puerto Rico to South uh, Sandwich Island. Sorry. Yes, French, we went into. <laughs> we've gone on to um, Montevideo, uh, where the team rejoined the the vessel after the long transit down. And uh, then across to South Georgia, a nice half day on South Georgia to pay our respects to uh, Ernest Shackleton, who, of course, is buried there. Um, and then onwards to uh, the South Sandwich Trench, which is 500 miles east of South Georgia and sort of in the middle of South America and, and South Africa. Mm -hmm. Obviously, the surface terrain is very different. You've gone from tropics of Puerto Rico and the warm waters and countries, whatever, to the frigidly cold um, Antarctic uh, water. So obviously the landscape is different. The differences in diving between the two locations, uh, big difference or once you're under the water, it's the same deal? No, big difference, um, both on the surface and under the surface. Uh, you know, in, in the Southern Ocean, which is where the South Sandwich Trench is, mm -hmm. you know, you've got this, the, this, this ocean which is not encumbered by, by land. So you can get these circumpolar uh, depressions going around and around the Antarctic. Um, you know, you've, you've heard a lot of um, mariners talk about the Drake Passage between South America and the Antarctic, and that's because the wind that's almost constantly westward is being forced between two land masses. But out in the South Sandwich Trench, there's nothing to stop them. And so, you know, the weather systems that go through there are usually fairly volatile, which is a lot different uh, to the conditions in the Puerto Rican Trench. So on the surface, what it means is that you've got people working with, you know, a heavy load on the hook. Um, you've got small tenders out in a, in a boisterous sea. And, of course, the water is very cold, so the penalties for falling in uh, are, are rather more severe. Mm. And it's just more difficult. People are bundled up uh, yeah. and their hands are cold, and, and so it's, it's more challenging. Once you're in the water, um, the big challenge is the temperature of the seawater um, because everything gets a little bit sluggish. And so um, the South Sandwich Trench is, is the only hadal zone that's actually below zero Celsius. And uh, that created issues for some of the electronics uh, with the communication system uh, and also the, the sort of the way that the oil that fills all of our um, piping uh, reacts. The sub did fine, um, but it did differently than it did in Puerto Rico. And that's just a reflection of temperature. Yeah, so the oil becomes more viscous and doesn't flow as well, that kind of thing? That's correct. Yeah. And from... Uh, because I think when we spoke before, we were talking about the, you know, I, I grew up and we hear the, the term trench. So to me, um, you know, in my head, I was thinking, oh, like the Grand Canyon, you go down, you got the seabed, and then there's this big gully cut there. But uh, you were explaining before that that's not actually the case, that it's, it's, it's a much wider expanse. And um, the... The expectation was that the, um, the, the the life that you find in one area versus another would be very different. And I think one of the things you mentioned was that 
uh, or I think, sir, forgive me, uh, Professor Jameson mentioned, was that one of the interesting things would be to see is there any commonality in, in life forms between the two areas um, and get an understanding of the, the migration or, 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 or that also they perhaps life forms that the same life form evolving two different areas and, and the differences between them. Did you, did you come across anything like that there? We, we may do. Um, again, I'm not being coy, but it takes time to process samples and to analyze them uh, and to compare them, not only with uh, between what we collected, but also with samples that have been collected on, on other expeditions by other people. But we're very confident that whatever we found in the South Sandwich Trench will be, will be very new and very exciting because no one has, has done this before. Uh, you know, to the point where you know, one of the things that uh, the vessel uh, has, you know, the, the ship, um, pressure drop, has been fitted with is the latest sort of Kongsberg sonar, which is rated to full ocean depth. And that was first deployed for the Puerto Rican trench, and it's just been used again for the South Sandwich Trench. This is the first time mankind has ever seen any bathymetry at all for the South Sandwich Trench. So before we went out there, we sort of guesstimated the depth to within the nearest 500 meters, and it was a guess. Uh, now we know exactly how deep it is, and we know the lay of the land. How close uh, literally, <laughs> not that close. Um, we, thought, we, we thought it'd be somewhere between uh, 7,800 and 8,200 meters, and it was uh, 74 and a bit. Okay. So. You know, within Kui, yeah, um, but, 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 you know, it just shows how little we know about the, the world's oceans and, and how they're, they're made up. So, you know, Pressure Drop has spent five days uh, in sonifying the trench, and those, uh, that information, that data will go uh, into the global sort of collection of information. It'll be freely available to anyone that wants it. And uh, it's the first time science has ever had a look. Wow, there's a, a, a lot taken back off this. So, under, I, I guess it's going to be a couple of months, you say, or maybe possibly even longer before the scientific data is really understood and, and calculated, and you, you'll report on that? Yes, we will. And, you know, it, it all goes into, uh, into an international sort of system of, of sharing and distribution. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we're very clear... Uh, as we go around the world, that there's nothing in this for us. Everything we do is is being put into the public pool. Um, you know, our our first mission, our our primary mission, is to get Victor to the bottom uh, of each of the five deeps and back. Um, <laughs> but the the science that we collect along the way is all going into into a public pool, as is all of the bathymetry from the sonar for all of humanity's benefit. Uh, Professor Jameson is attached to Newcastle University. He is. He's, uh, he's taken a, a year to uh, escape his uh, duties in the classroom and uh, is doing what I think is probably the most exciting Hadal science uh, uh, at the moment. I mean, he is, he is literally out there doing things which nobody's ever had a chance to do yeah. before. Incredible opportunity, lucky him. That's all I can say. I'm sure he says the same thing. Um, the the initial uh, data, the initial, I'll use the term stuff of science that, that, that you take from each of these dives, 
do they go back to Newcastle University to then be disseminated out to other organizations that may specialize in different areas? Or uh, what, what's the channel for all the scientific information? Uh, some of it does go back to Newcastle, and some of it goes uh, with uh, guest scientists who are on board for that particular leg. Okay. Uh, we do take scientists on board from time to time, either because they are regional specialists or uh, disciplinary specialists. Um, so the you know depending on what's collected, it's divided up accordingly, and then it eventually finds its way into the into the public domain uh, through the normal sort of public science programs. Mm-hmm. Um, so you finished in the sandwich. You've finished in South Sandwich, forgive me, in Puerto Rico, yeah. and you're now on the way to. The uh, Indian Ocean, isn't it? That's right. And we'll French. do a, a drive. We'll do a drive by of a place in the southern Indian Ocean called Diamantina, um, because it is a deep point. We don't think it's excessively deep. We think it's probably uh, a case of mistaken uh, mistaken identity. Mm-hmm. But we want to run the sonar over a few times just to see exactly how deep it is, and then um, we have a quick. Pit, pit stop in um, Fremantle, and then on up to Bali to do the Java Trench. Okay. If um, if the, the the one you just mentioned that you're going to do a quick stop and check on, what was that called? Diamantina. Diamantina. If that raises a, a surprise, if if you see something that's interesting there, would you be tempted to drop the submarine and and, and have a look, or would that be something that you just peg and come back to some other stage? Um, we would peg and come back to, but we might come back to it quite quickly because we're quite keen to do the deepest point in the Indian Ocean, and that will either be Diamantina or the Java Trench. We are pretty sure that it's the Java Trench, um, but we want to go past the Diamantina just to be sure. But obviously nobody's been able to measure it fully, so um, you've got to ascertain that. Um, I mean, that's that's the thing about all of this is yeah. that everywhere we go, everything we do, is new. it is shocking how little is known. I mean, we don't know how deep these places are. We don't really know exactly where they are. We don't know what lives there. It's we don't know how. It's it's really, uh, it really is exploring in the traditional scenes. I guess we spend so much time looking up at the sky and figuring out space and planets and solar systems. It, it's, it, it's shocking that we've got so little knowledge of of what's down below yes and and when do you plan to do the uh the java trench dive when's that scheduled for java trench is uh in early april and uh then we'll be at the challenger deep and the mariana trench uh in early may and uh then we'll be in the tongan trench in mid-june and then we uh appear at the malloy deep up in the arctic ocean in late August. So between um, the Sandwich Trench and the Java Trench is, what, 10, 52 weeks or so before they get to, from one to the no. other? No, it's going to be, it's going to be it's over a month. month. It's going to be over a month. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, so um, it's, it's, it's going to be nearly, yeah, a long time. It's a long yeah. haul. I, I was just yeah, looking at the map. It is, uh, I don't know why I said two weeks. It is a long way. Could you ask about the crew? Because I... Like in between it, yourself, the scientists, uh, you don't have to stay with the boat. You can go back to whatever and then rejoin the boat, I presume. But uh, from the crew perspective, I presume you have uh, a core crew or do you have a, a rotation crew there? 
to um, the engineer gets a break and the captain gets a break? Or how, how are you working with the crew on the boat outside of the scientific uh, and exploration side? It's the actual crew. Sure. Well, I mean, we're a solar vessel, uh, so we have a commercial um, professional crew. Mm-hmm. Um, they are led by the captain, Stu Buckle, who was the captain um, for the Deep Challenge uh, project. So he's had a lot of experience, uh, more than anyone, in fact, in, in dunking uh, hadal depth submersibles uh, into oceanic trenches and recovering them. And he brings with him a crew that have been assembled from, from various projects uh, of interest, uh, so there are there are everybody's on a rotation system. Okay. Uh, all of the all of the nautical crew are on a rotation system. Then we have four hotel staff who keep the ship in, in good order. They are on um, rather longer rotations, but again on a rotation system. Mm-hmm. And then each of the departments is on a different sort of uh, tempo. Uh, the submersible team come from Triton. Uh, they are on mainly for the the dives themselves. Occasionally, they'll have people on board for maintenance reasons. Uh, we have the sonar team who cycle through and are on board all the time because we're collecting data as we're moving from one operational to area to the other, and we want to collect information wherever we go. We have the science team uh, who are on for every dive so they can deploy their, uh, their landers, the collection devices, but also quite often uh, we'll do a transit leg as well. Um, because there's the opportunity to collect information al- along the way. And then there's the, uh, the film crew um, who can number anywhere between 4 and 12, and they're on for mostly the operational legs. And finally, the expedition team who are on for uh, each of the operational legs. On this, on this case, uh, for South Sandwich, we had on an expedition leader, an ice pilot, and uh, an emergency physician because we are so far from from any form of help. Uh, do, do you have I mean, what, what kind of medical facilities do you have on board? What, what's the worst thing you can cater for? Not that you want to have to do that. Yeah, do, do you have uh, a, well, do, do you have a small surgical area that in case of uh, minor surgery needs to be carried out in, a, in an emergency situation or? I mean, the, the vessel is uh, an ex-military uh, vessel. Um, you know, it's an ex-U.S. Navy vessel. Uh, so it has an infirmary. Um, it has some facilities. But the equipment that we have on board is what you'd find on a, on a normal sort of uh, yacht. Um, it's, it's um, you know, bought in with, with packs of equipment that are replenished if we use them. The most important thing that we add is the physician uh, themselves, because without a physician, your your medical abilities are limited to whatever the captain and the expedition leader have uh, training in. Mm-hmm. So for this for this particular voyage, because we were going to be two two and a half thousand miles out, uh, we wanted to have a physician on hand. Yeah, because it's not easy to move somebody off a boat that distance. Um... I mean, I'd be mad to do an operation, but no one else seemed that keen. <laughs> I'm sorry, could you repeat that? I, I missed what you said. There. I'd be mad keen to try an operation. Um, I could operate on someone. I'd, I'd love to give it a go. It looks exciting. <laughs> You're a strange man, Rob. <laughs> <laughs> Forgive me if I do not volunteer for that particular expedition that you'd like to go on. <laughs> um, I mean, uh, 
the, the single biggest thing that we stress is that, you know, the further we get away from land, the, the more careful we have to be. Yeah. Um, you know, that's always the rule with uh, mariners anywhere. Once you're uh, well out to sea, you've just got to slow down a bit, take your time, and be safe because uh, there's nothing better than preventing it in the first place. Yeah, prevention is the best cure, as my mother used to say. Prevention yeah. is the best medicine. Well, thank you, Rob. I think that's, uh, that's it's, I, I have to say, I, I sit here listening to all this, and um, I have to envy you. This it sounds, it's not only a historic expedition, but it's, it's got to be very exciting going on this trip with Victor. You know, the, the thing that intrigues me about it is that, you know, a lot of people these days in the yachting industry get, they, they, they sort of switch the word adventure and exploration. And, you know, when I look at all the adventure activities that we're asked to do, you know, that's, that's one subset. But this is not adventure. This is actually, the five deeps is not adventure at all. It's, it's exploration. And that was brought home to us when, you know, when we're talking about Ernest Shackleton's grave. You know, people sometimes, I think, mistakenly call him an adventurer. And I don't know that he was. He was an explorer who was driven to explore. And he had adventures along the way. But adventure itself, you know, thrill-seeking was not in his uh, makeup at all. And I think uh, Victor is like that as well. He is uh, a passionate explorer. And he's found a group of people who, who share that love. And it's always interesting when we're talking to the media at these you know, events, they are desperate to know what's going to happen next. And they get very frustrated when we say, you know, we, we just don't know. <laughs> we're going to go out there and have a look. We don't know what we're going to find yet because no one's ever been there before. If you knew, so you wouldn't be doing is, it. <laughs> that's right. So watch this space. All new discoveries will be reported back in due course. Well, we'll keep an eye on it, and hopefully we'll get to talk to you uh, on this side of Bali. Excellent. Thank you. Rob, thank you so much for your time. That was uh, Rob McCallum from EOS Expeditions, and he is the uh, project leader for the Five Deeps Expedition. Thank you again, Rob. Safe journeys. My pleasure. Cheers. <laughs>